This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Hippolaws are such that I don't have the ability to either know and or ask as to whether you've had your appropriate shots here this season, but I will say I know for sure that you both have had your requisite shot of vitamin W to start this week. How about that? I like it. I thought you meant just shots taken in general because I was going to vouch for Darren on that one. No, I'm not talking about that Friday night in Nashville. I'm not talking about those shots. No, I'm talking about vitamin W, which stands, Danny, for win. How about that? How about that? I liked I liked that quote from Antonio Hamilton this week. I, I thought you were going to go with like the shots you need to like travel internationally. Even. So did I. <laughs> no, no, we'll get to that in a little bit. No, no, I I actually yeah. we need to get a little from because you know you you do some stuff you start looking okay the Cardinals went there in two thousand five yeah and and so I came across this fine photo that I needed to make sure. Oh no, that that is not Paul. Oh, I don't know who that not. is, but it's not Paul. No. As you hand me your phone, what is good? This is bad podcasting. We can't see anything. Wait a minute, what? That isn't me, is this it? This is an amazing I, I picture. I, I love can't. that haircut. I can't even I, see it from here. I, I, what is going on? I want to make sure oh, that no. we get that what haircut is... again. <laughs> oh my! Paul goodness. Calvisi looking like That's, he's. Uh, yeah, that was That's my first a young year. Paul Calvisi that was the right first there. year, man. That's before twenty years of morning radio. It aged me in dog years. That's basically what happened. I think it's only fair for the viewers who don't get to have eyes on the podcast that you post the picture, so when they're listening, they have something to it's reference. It's probably a good Darren. idea. Maybe maybe we'll just make it the thumbnail for the yeah. podcast. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, once we get out of uh, you know international airspace, they'll post it. That's probably what'll happen. Something like that will be. <laughs> It's a great photo, though, of a yeah. very young Paul Calvisi ready to take on the world, oh, or in this boy. case, yeah. Mexico City, on a Sunday night back in 2005. Let me tell you, as someone who's been down on the field in Ann Arbor, the big house for Michigan, Notre Dame, that, w- that was a scene in Mexico City. I am looking forward to this. There's no doubt about it. There's a lot of different aspects of it. The fact that two hours before kickoff, it was raucous. Anybody who kicks a football is going to be a rock star in Mexico City. When Cliff Kingsbury said that to the media, he was not kidding. He got serious intel on on what's going to happen for the kickers. But, yeah, we'll get into the whole international thing here uh, in a little bit. As for the Cardinals and the, you know, the whole vitamin W actually was a better line than what I was going to go with, Danny, to start. And uh, props to Antonio Hamilton. I was going to do something along the lines of the wedding crashers, you know, crab cakes and football. That's what Maryland does. I was going to do something like division wins. On the road, that's what Colt McCoy does. That's what I was going to start with. Well, it's a good backup. (laughs) Hey, backup. That was an unintentional pun. How about that one? Come on. I'm fire here. How about Colt McCoy, though? Seriously. You know what? Honestly, show of hands here. Everyone listening to Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Did you really have any doubt that Colt McCoy at least was going to be part of the solution? I wasn't guaranteeing a win or anything. 
I didn't go into that game with any apprehension that Colt McCoy was going to look like, oh, I don't know, John Wolford. <laughs> he was no. going to be a liability. Well, we've seen him in that in that circumstance before. That makes you feel really good. And the bottom line is it also makes it a lot easier to go into a game without a lot of trepidation when you know the other team is going to have a backup quarterback. And they were struggling mightily offensively anyways more than the Cardinals were. Yep. So I, I think that also helps the whole case. What a unique situation, too, for the Cardinals to have that confidence, especially with four of your five starting offensive linemen out due to injuries and having to rely heavily on that backup depth. There was never any doubt from anybody that I talked to that Colt couldn't lead this team. And we've seen that before, not just with the Cardinals, but in his career. And it's a very great situation to have a backup quarterback who is so composed and even though has a different style than your starter, Kyler Murray, can still lead this team with confidence and control and on Sunday to a victory. So I was talking to some guys afterwards in the locker room. I'm like, so why shouldn't I be surprised by Colt McCoy? And a couple of defensive guys said, well, do you see what he did to us in training camp? Do you see how we couldn't get to him in training camp? He was so stinking frustrate, frustrating in training camp because we'd go after him. We, we'd bring these ridiculous blitzes. He's getting rid of the ball. He's not getting touched. He's finding the open guy. And they're like, exactly what he did to us the first half of training camp before Colt McCoy had I was gonna say, the arm I issues. Don't, and I don't remember Colt yeah. McCoy in training camp because well, no, he barely practiced. Well, no, remember, the, first, the that's, how he, that's how his arm got all the mileage yeah, on it and how he true. got hurt well, because Kyler, Kyler was, was down early, and whether it was COVID and or whatever it was early on. But he got so many reps so early in camp, and when they went 11-on-11, he really did take it to the Cardinals starting defense quite a bit. And so what you saw early in camp is basically what you saw against the Rams. That ball was coming out quick. And and not to say this in a sense that it takes away from what Kyler Murray does because they're, they're such different quarterbacks. I know we're going to get into that more. But you were kind of touching on it earlier, Paul. Like th- This might have been something they needed. And not in the sense of you need Colt McCoy over Kyler Murray, but in the sense that I think this team as a whole just kind of needed something different something to kind of add some spark to them and so getting this win with so many injuries and with a backup quarterback as a general concept again rather than because it was Colt over Kyler I think might be what this team has needed to have that spark of we can do this we can definitely do this when we have a healthy starting roster as healthy as they can be now with you know after losing some players to injury because the other mantra I heard in that locker room after the game was that all week guys were saying if Kyler can't go We've got 12. There was that confidence. There was that belief. And we all know in football, if you don't believe in the quarterback, you have no chance going into a game. And so guys went in thinking, all right, yeah, we might we might have a serious situation here with the offensive line. And you know it's bad when on the bench. See, they always sit in alignment on the bench, right, during the game from left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle, and there's five guys, and they always sit in the same spot. Sort of like the starters in basketball, right? All the scrubs get off the bench when the starters in basketball come over and they make way for the starter. In this case, there were six guys because there were two left guards sitting in between the left tackle and the center. That's when you know it's bad. That's when you know the injury issues are severe. Yeah. Now, in the case of left guard, Cody Ford, who was supposed to be the starter, was dealing with COVID or had come out of COVID and they were not in feeling like he was going to be able to do the entire deal. So Rashad Coward... Uh, ended up playing most of the snaps there, and 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 hopefully Cody Ford is now healthy and can get back to it. But I mean, to to be missing all those guys on the offensive line 
was really stunning to me. I was a little surprised DJ Humphreys wasn't able to go. I mean, it's been a long time since DJ Humphreys missed two games in a season, a long time, since yep. before Cliff Kingsbury showed up. So wow. um, you know that that's got to be a, a, a problem for him. And then, of course, uh, in, on the interior, all three of those guys are now on IR. So which is just a, a brutal situation now that it Rodney is. Hudson is down and right. Will Hernandez is down, and we already knew Justin Pugh. So, you know, anything they'd get going forward, I mean, I think that was a nice win going forward. You're, you're still talking, now that Zach Ertz is out, you're, you're still talking about a team that's going to have to overcome quite a bit to be able to manage to stay in, in whatever playoff chase they're in right now. It oh. is interesting, just real quick, Paul, of when you start the season, you have these very fair high hopes the offense with you when you would have Zach Ertz, DeAndre Hopkins coming back, Hollywood Brown, and there's not going to be a scenario in which all three of them are out there together. Yep, yep, they're never going to play brutal. together. Yep, Zach Ertz uh, reportedly done for the year with that knee injury. It's not a surprise to anyone who watched the game. And then they had ISOs. They had TV ISOs of of the tears, right? Of him coming off the field because he, he came right by us in the field. He was very emotional. He knew it. And uh, it was the inevitable, and, and finally everyone got word. But, you know, getting back to the offensive line, uh, let's not forget about number 99, Aaron Donald. How many quarterbacks would have been defeated before the game ever started? How many quarterbacks would have been freaked out thinking, oh, my goodness, I have a patchwork makeshift offensive line, and there's the biggest, baddest dude to maybe ever play defense in the NFL, in NFL history, and this guy's lining up in the A and B gaps up and down the defensive front a good three feet away from me, and I have to rely on these no-names playing offensive line in front of me. A lot of guys would have been freaked out just from the get-go, and and that wasn't Colt. Then again, Colt was very, uh, shall we say, uh, adamant about a game plan where he had to get rid of the ball quickly. Cliff Kingsbury elaborated a little bit on that in his TV show, and it's interesting because it reminds me of what Kurt Warner was in the day, what Carson Palmer was in, in his heyday, and that was they were instrumental in the game planning. That the coaches would wait for what the starting quarterback had to say, the experienced veteran quarterback in his mid-30s. Okay, what do you see in the defense? What do you see on the film on Monday? Now we'll formulate the game plan accordingly. And from everything I can ascertain, that was Colt McCoy. saying if we're going to have an offensive line situation like this and we're going against Aaron Donald, guess what, guys? Ball needs to come out quick. Period. So they start with 11 straight passes. And basically everything I said in the pregame show went for naught because I was talking about how they needed to run the ball like Tampa did with their compromised offensive line earlier in the day in Munich. It, it was very impressive to see the way that Colt McCoy and the makeshift offensive line worked well together. Um, for the most part, it was a pretty clean pocket, and but Colt, was he was getting that ball out fast. He was whipping it out, but I thought he was doing a good job at looking at checkdowns and getting everybody involved. I mean, he got... A.J. Green involved on a great fourth down conversion and that touchdown first time Green found the end zone all year. The offensive line, I thought, did a good job blocking. There were two rushing touchdowns. I just thought that it, it felt cohesive and a lot more cohesive than I think a lot of us were expecting because of the adversity they were facing with so many injuries. And the other thing was they wanted to try and tire out Aaron Donald. Let's, let's go side to side. Let's go horizontal. Let's Let's really space the ball around, make him run and chase, and maybe we'll tire him out a little bit. And then it's also amazing what an offense looks like when you're not using the word self-inflicted. When you, you click on a Darren Urban game rap story, and it doesn't include those two words for maybe the first time all year. Because walking off the field at halftime, the first thing out of Cliff's mouth, and there wasn't even a question, was 
38 snaps, one negative play, which yeah. was the Josh Jones false start, I believe. That's it. Yeah. I think that was the only negative play in the first half. But that he was keeping track, Cliff Kingsbury. He knew the number walking off the field going into the halftime locker room. So I thought that was pretty telling. Well, I mean, let's face it, the, the contrast between what happened in L.A. and what happened uh, against the Seahawks the week before and the five false starts and – yeah, I mean, you just yep. you can't do that stuff. In in addition to any actual negative plays where you lose yards, but um, they, I don't know if it's a direct correlation because Colt McCoy was in there or they just played better. I know that Kyler Murray is going to look a lot better if the offensive line doesn't fall start five times. It's true, it's true. But at the same time, like Danny was saying, the ball was coming out quick. Mm-hmm. Colt was decisive. He was going true. downfield. There is the next-gen stat from the game that Colt completed 8 out of 11 passes of 10-plus air yards for 123 yards and a touchdown. So that downfield intermediate passing attack was there. Uh, And so that's what I was talking about with Craig Grillo on cover two this week was just, okay, if you're Kyla Murray, and he was front and center, he had the earpiece in, he was listening to everything, you know, what can you learn? What can 25-year-old Kyla Murray learn from 36-year-old Colt McCoy and the way he went out there and was very proficient. Or the word that Cliff Kingsbury used repeatedly was efficient, right? That, that would describe Colt McCoy. Well, and again, and we've kind of talked about this off the air here and there since the game ended too. It was efficient. He got the ball out fast. There were lots of things Colt McCoy did very well. But let's not get over our skis. This offense had less than 300 yards, which – most of the time is not going to win you many football games in the NFL. Um, they still didn't have a bunch of explosive plays. Um, I think they benefited by a defense that was able to completely dominate in part because the Rams are so messed up offensively. I don't think that kind of offense, offensive production is going to get you a win in Mexico City against the 49ers. That's my that's my feeling. And here's here's downer Danny uh, coming in with this is we don't really know yet until we hear from Cliff Kingsbury Wednesday what the health status looks like for both of his quarterbacks. Kyler Murray didn't play because of a hamstring. How is he progressing? I'm impressed you think we're going to hear something Wednesday. (laughs) At the earliest. And Colt McCoy, when he entered the podium for his press conference after the game, had his left knee probably wrapped up it looked like an ice it was bandaged but he was saying he wasn't sure yet because of the testing if it was a knee or more of a hamstring but he's he didn't leave the game fully healthy so and that's not to take away from from the performance at all that we've been talking about from McCoy it's just a question of what are you going to have a quarterback are we suddenly looking at a Trace McSorley situation well it's funny you mentioned that because all we keep hearing from uh Cliff Kingsbury about Kyler Murray and especially and he said it again going to the 49ers game they have the kind of defense you don't want Kyler to not be able to run to move around yep and I asked Colt after the game did that injury when you went back in did it hamper you and he said I could throw the ball fine but if I had to run around I don't know if I could have been able to do that fortunately I didn't have to well okay so if you're if Kyler can't move around and and that's a bad thing, like what happens if Colt is in the same boat? I mean, I just I'm really curious to see how this plays out, what they decide to do. If Colt's banged up, do you go ahead and use a 91 percent Kyler Murray 
because he's not 100%, but he's probably better off. I, I, To me, that's what you would do, but yep. we'll see. Well, and, and I said this during the game, and this is complete speculation, but it was his left leg that was injured. If it was his right leg, his plant leg, I'm not so sure Colt McCoy goes back in that game, honestly, because Yikes. he was favoring the left leg. And his plant leg was the opposite leg. So, you know, for him to take his drop backs and then push off that leg yeah. and throw, that would have been a totally different scenario if that's the leg he was dealing with the injury. I asked him about the injury after the game on the radio side, and he kind of smiled, paused, and said, well, you know, adrenaline helped a lot. Meaning, Yikes. Meaning what's the aftermath? Well, you know, and again, when, even when he came in, I said, "What?" my first question to him is like, what's the injury? And his first question, response was well what they say <laughs> that's good and i said they didn't say anything it's yeah. blank can you fill it in yeah. and then then he's like well i don't know if it's my knee or my hamstring and i'm thinking you probably know my guess is it's kind of like this week when cliff said during his monday uh his monday press conference about how they were still <laughs> looking at zach Ertz and he wasn't sure and somehow within 10 minutes after he was done talking, there was a national report that Zach Ertz was done for the season. So I'm guessing Cliff probably had a good idea. Wait, was that the only thing that was brought up, that we got a national <laughs> alert for a couple minutes after oh. the press conference ended? Is that where you were planning well, on going next, Paul? I just set you up. Well, it was actually, if you look at Adam Schefter's tweet, it was 154, which is approximately 33 seconds after Cliff Kingsbury left the airwaves with Wolf and Luke. That was the last live opportunity to talk to the head coach. In less than a minute after they killed the mics, out came the report that Eno Benjamin had been released by the Arizona Cardinals. And everyone's jaws dropped. Yeah. Not mine. Not yours. No. You already knew what happened? No, but I knew what I saw in the, during the game. Okay. He wasn't happy. He was not happy. Can't hear it, but everyone could see it. And it was there for all the fans to see as well. Uh, he wasn't happy with what I presume to be a lack of playing time. And guys like James Conner and some other teammates were uh, around him and uh, talking to him and uh, trying to calm him down at different times. So if that carried into the locker room and then carried into the trip home, it perhaps carried into a uh, post-game conversation that resulted in what happened Monday, not shocked. Yeah, A little bit. I mean, a little bit. You know, I, I mean, he's, how many guys have been upset about the role and or their touches doesn't matter what sport at what time I'm a little surprised that it, by Monday that he hadn't calmed down enough well, to where they could have talked it through and said at any point we're pretty we're pretty shallow at running back depth right now at any point a running back could go down James Conner has a fairly lengthy history of being banged up your moment to get another 20 carries in a game could be right around the corner well and so then I would say to that I would, I would, I would agree with the premise, which tells me that there's pieces missing. If he was just sure. upset and he was just complaining yep. on the sideline, yep. uh, oh. I, I just I there there's I think there's more there, and uh, obviously something that that tipped the scale there because this is I do agree. You guys get mad about playing time all the time. Uh, what's funny. Not ha-ha funny. What's funny is that in the locker room after the game, who was one of the people we all wanted to talk to? A.J. Green, who 
was active and didn't have an entire a snap one game, played like 30-some snaps the next game, and then the game after that was active and had one snap. And then he went to L.A. and he got 30-some snaps again, got two, only two targets and two catches, but two huge plays, converted huge. a fourth down and caught big, a touchdown. Big, big plays. And one of the things A.J. Green said as he was talking, he admitted it's been difficult and it hasn't been fun to not get the playing time, and he admitted all that. He also said the communication had been good, and he knew what was going on, and and you just he knows he's putting in the work, and that's all you can do. And then whatever opportunities happen, happen. I'm not sure Eno is necessarily in the same thought process. I find it very hard to believe, quite frankly, if all of a sudden you go into a game and then they never are going to play you, and they don't say something. They were doing that with A.J. Green, but I, I don't know. Well, that first possession of the third quarter coming out of halftime, Keontae Ingram got a carry. That might have been a trigger right there. This is all obviously to a certain extent, obviously you know, speculation. We're yeah. not we're not in the rooms. We don't know. But yeah. when I think of the AJ Green situation, this is an offense we've talked about that has been struggling and something hasn't been clicking. And so when that's the case, unfortunately for some players, changes, adjustments have to be made so you can see what is working. And what's not? And AJ Green was just on the short end of that stick. You make the um, the trade to get Robbie Anderson, so it was nice to see him get those touches. I agree. It, it does feel a little strange for Eno Benjamin because Daryl Williams is still on IR. So while you have guys on the practice squad right now, your running backs are James Connor and Keontae Ingram. And I, I I wonder if there's more to this of this is what they envisioned it looking like snap count wise moving forward as opposed to maybe just this one game because Kingsbury told us this was the first game they said to James you're healthy you go you come to us if you're not feeling 100% because he'd been he missed three games with that ribs injury where Eno played really well Um, and so the first game to have James be back and that was the reason Kingsbury gave when asked why Benjamin had such limited snaps in his press conference on Monday so I'm wondering if this is more than just telling Eno Benjamin hey, this is our game plan for this week. Maybe this is what it looked like more in the future of like, hey, we're, we're just going to keep going to James. We're not really going to do a complimentary running back situation. You're not going to play a lot. Like, I wonder if it's more than just, a, you know, like a short-term yeah. vision. I, I would agree with that. I, I would. I, you know, I, I know that you know, Cliff Kingsbury and, and a few of the players said that they really thought that James Conner wore down the Rams' defense as the game went along, and that's what a big power back can do. That's not Edo Benjamin. That is James Conner's skill set that, you know what, guys maybe start turning down tackles or start getting worn down in that third and fourth quarter. In fact, it was Kelvin Beecham after the game who, who called James Conner, quote, the hammer and said he told yeah. he told Connor you need 20 touches per game which is exactly he got 21 carries and he got like three receptions yeah. so even the offensive line they're, they're definitely in favor of a big back like a James Connor who who's coming off a pro bowl in a heck of a year when healthy you see what he does especially in the red zone but that's what's weird because if Benjamin has a different style than Connor you you have to understand you're going to get different reps obviously not only James Conner being your number one running back and what he's getting paid and whatnot but the style is different you're going to be used differently and I would imagine that Eno understood that at the start of the season maybe this is a scenario where 
because Eno played so well when he was that number one running back. At one point, he was the only running back active in a game that wasn't injured, and he felt like he played really well. Maybe when he found out that as soon as James was going to be 100%, it was, okay, you know, maybe he felt like he had earned more snaps, more playing time because of his performance, and just going back to the way things were, maybe that was just too much for him. It'll be interesting. Uh, we just have breaking news as we're recording this that Eno Benjamin was claimed off waivers by Houston. Oh, that's not that surprising. Interesting. That, okay. So he's a Texas guy. He is a high school legend in Texas. Yes. So going near home, I think he's in the from the Dallas area, so not exactly so. Yep. on the corner, but couple hour drive. Whatever, Texas is too damn big. But anyways... Uh, wow, I'm so offended. Good job, Darren. <laughs> you said that as if I should be offended. I know, so I was job. working on it. I, I haven't really zinged you at all tonight, Danny, so I'm, I got to get to that. Thank you. Um, at some point, Eno's going to talk to the media, so hopefully we'll get his yeah. side of things. Well, there is a report that he had a confrontation with an assistant yes, coach. Yes, that's true. Thing and is, it, there is no running backs coach right now for the Arizona Cardinals. Officially listed, correct? Well, there's no, because... James Saxon is no longer with the team, but they have had guys that have been that have been working with the running backs for this whole time. There, there are there are running backs coaches, even if they're not listed as running backs coaches. Now, whether that's who Eno uh, might have gotten into it with, I don't know. Um, and exactly what happened, we don't know. Um, but but again, Cliff Kingsbury will talk Wednesday. At some point, Eno was going to talk, and, and maybe everybody just moves on. I, I did find it interesting, Jalen Strong, the former Arizona State wide receiver, um, who obviously, well, not obviously, but he played with Eno at Arizona State, tweeted out yesterday, uh, I, I know what happened, and you know it's better for me not to say anything more, but you know both sides move on or something. But in the replies, uh, and I'm paraphrasing right now, but people were asking Jalen Strong questions, and he kept answering them. Um, and he never quite came out and said it. But one thing he did say was he felt like it might have been a petty reason is how he termed it, but the Cardinals were not wrong to do it. So whatever that means. What's interesting, I didn't see that, but I did see the Jalen Strong appearance on the Mark McClune podcast. He joined via Zoom. Yesterday? Uh, the Yes. Okay. And, and there's a quote. I wrote it down. Among other things, Jalen Strong said about Eno, quote, he ultimately got himself released. And then he went on to this whole sort of explanation of, you know, you're coming off a win. You're supposed to have the we versus me mentality. And if there's a guy in a locker room who's worried about me instead of we after a win, he was actually pro-Cardinals, Jalen Strong, which I did not expect when I clicked on it. And, And then he said, you know what, and if a guy maybe has negative energy all week, um, he then concluded the thoughts by saying, you know, it's a thing, it's something that maybe could have been fixed, but it doesn't sound like Eno was all that willing to make amends, according to the Jalen Strong explanation. So, a couple things popped in my head. One, obviously Eno didn't take his vitamin W, which is always tough. Um, a lot of people have talked about hard knocks and, and being able to see this, and I'm curious because the, him being released was Monday. And the episode uh, that we're about to see this week will end at the end of the Rams game. But does does that include if there's anything that happened post-game or during game? And more importantly, as you talk about that, was was there stuff going on all week, you know, 
and I, again, now I'm totally speculating based on what you just said, but this just popped into my head. But it, were the things going on all week where they told Eno he might not play a lot and he was grumpy about it, and then it just kind of he, snowballed. I know I had a quick conversation was Wednesday or Thursday. I asked about Aaron Donald and the run game because he Eno, Eno, Eno okay. because Eno would go in to the offensive line room a lot. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he talked about, and he kind of gave me, you know, well, you know, a lot of teams will try and do the inside zone and run away from Aaron Donald because a lot of times he'll try and, you know, he'll he'll take a chance and kind of come from the backside and you can run away from him and actually be effective to the opposite direction, blah, blah, blah. And I, I noticed not a single change in his demeanor. It was the typical upbeat, you know, for whatever that's worth. The other thing that is interesting with all of this, and I know, Paul, you – probably can attest to this the most this conversation from you know Benjamin I believe it was Big Red Rage there was a time where he was in Kingsbury's doghouse yep. early on in his career and we heard all offseason that it wasn't just seeing the growth physically from you know being able to handle a bigger role it was a lot of that maturation this year um, the the mental side of of personally and as I think maybe more as a team as a whole of handling that responsibility that they thought physically he could handle so it's interesting that if Eno was at one point really in Kingsbury just Kingsbury's doghouse and he found a way to kind of change the narrative and get the opportunities he got this year what is it to where there was finally I'm not sure on which end there was just enough if you've gotten this nope. far what was the straw that broke the camel's back? Bigger, bigger picture. It's it's always an interesting conversation. And Paul, you and I have been around it for a long time, and Danny's been around it a long time now herself. Not as long as us old people, but thank you. Um, it is about we, but it isn't always about we. I mean, the the bottom line is, you know, Benjamin can't get a second or a big second contract unless he gets more work. Now, he was under contract for another year. And before all this happened, I'm thinking to myself, okay, you got James Conner. He's probably back next year. He signed a three-year deal. I'm guessing he probably comes back next year unless something funny happens. And then Eno's his number two. Eno has earned his way into the number two. He's the Chase Edmonds to Conner these days. Darrell Williams probably isn't back. You have Keontae Ingram, and then you if you need a fourth running back, you see what you want to do with Jonathan Ward, whatever. But I thought for sure, you know, Benjamin in 2023, those are your top three running backs. And that just all got blown to hell. And it's, it's just interesting. Now, you know, we're saying he's going to the Texans. He's got a chance to do some things there because I think they'll, they have, they have, they're checking out a lot of different stuff, but that's a team that is not very good. He might get more reps, but, you know, not that the Cardinals are great, but they're way better than the Texans right now. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And to, if Jalen Strong is right and he, you know, got himself released, and it doesn't sound like you know got himself released. Like I'm disappointed. Can you please let me go so I can go somewhere else? That does not sound, especially after no. seeing Eno's tweet with the blue heart yesterday. I didn't get the impression Eno was thrilled he was released. I was actually uh, surprised to hear he he was making nine hundred grand this year he, as a former seventh round pick. I was actually surprised that it is. I guess it's that's a minimum salary though. That's it. That's what a third year player probably makes is a minimum salary gotcha. these days. 
And by the way, somebody reported that Colt McCoy was making 1.25 or 1.35 this year, but that doesn't include the signing bonus he got. So the bonus that would be remarkably be a remarkable value if you're the club on that one with Colt McCoy only. All right, so maybe here's the segue. Um, more surprised that you're not going to see Eno going forward or that you actually saw Buddha on the field against the Rams. Danny, what says you? I feel like it would be disrespectful if I said it was more surprising to see Buddha <laughs> Baker out on the field because especially after watching Hard Knocks, I mean, we know that he is not human. In that first Hard Knocks episode, Buddha hurt his ankle. There's a play, he starts it off by hopping. He is limping and he somehow makes the goal line tackle. I mean, just incredible what he is able to do, not just physically, but mentally. He was ruled out of the game on Monday with an ankle injury, something that Cliff Kingsbury does not do, if ever, is rule out a player that early in the week, sometimes even late in the week. True. So the fact yeah. that that's where everyone thought Buddha was with his ankle injury, he gets one day of practice on Friday. There's no brace. There's no nothing on the ankle. Everyone who's out at practice is surprised to see him out there and thinking maybe he's just getting loose. He'll be ready for the Mexico City game. And for Buddha to go out and play the way he did, not being 100%, have that game ceiling interception where he ran it back for like, what, 50 yards yeah. on that ankle? 53. So impressive. Were you I, guys yelling, get down, by the way? I'm like, get down, just get down. Just <laughs> insane. I actually got a chance to talk with Buddha after the game. And that was my first question was, how did you do that? Where did that resiliency come from? And he said he treats every game like a playoff game and that he was told it was going to be a three to four week recovery process. Wow. However, the way he was treating his body and that his recovery process, along with the Cardinals training staff, because he, he let's make it clear, he's not going to get cleared to play if it's not in his best interest and he is not healthy enough. So the way that they worked together and he was able to go out, even though he wasn't 100%, he said it was good enough to help the team get the win. Just incredible. I had a chance to talk to Buddha briefly on the Thursday. So he, he was practicing the next day, but nobody thought ever at that point, everybody thought he was still out. And I was actually working on a story about how the Buddha could still possibly help the defense when he wasn't on the field. And it was kind of talking about what oh, we saw in the hard knocks and being a leader and everything. Now he, he saw me in the locker room. He was, he was dumb to be in there when the media was in there if he really didn't want to talk to anybody. But he was in there, and, but he started scooting away. No one else was going to – and I tried to go get him, and he kind of was like, ah, and I'm like, come <laughs> on. And he's like, okay, I'll give you one question. And we kind of ducked into the, into the equipment room, and I got one quote from him, and, and then he said – he goes, don't say anything. He goes, but don't count me out this weekend. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's a player that – Oh, you know, they all say that. Don't count me out because they got to be saved from themselves. But then when I saw him practicing the next day, and, and Antonio Hamilton told us all during a press conference earlier this week about how, you know, it was bad news and all this stuff. And then Wednesday he's kind of walking around and then Thursday's kind of bouncing around the locker room and saying, I feel pretty good. And then all, and then Antonio Hamilton said, we, as soon as we saw him out of practice, he's like, okay, he's playing. He said the same thing to Isaiah when I was talking to Isaiah after the game in the locker room that the two of them chatting, Buddha told Isaiah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play this week. And Isaiah's thinking, you're insane. There's there's no way you're going to be able to play this week. And and that he was a warrior, and that's the type of player, that's the type of teammate you want out on the field, and it's not just motivating the defense, it's the team as a whole. James Conner said that they call Buddha Weapon X, Wolverine, and I've never seen that movie, yeah. but I would imagine that's a pretty big compliment. It yeah, is. Mm -hmm. it is. Yeah, that's, you guys should start calling me that. Wolverine, then. his whole deal is that he heals 
Oh, oh so it, okay. okay, so that's pretty. Well, funny. I mean, he's got yeah. the he's got the razor talons, but it's the the reason he's got them is because he can. Don't ruin the movie for me. Uh, I won't then. I'm not going to see it. You can continue. I was just going to say because the 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 knives come out of his hands, and the and his his weapon isn't that he, he's got knives in his hands. It's that they can come in and out and break the skin, and his and his hands heal automatically. So like, ooh, can't I'm intrigued. Hurt. But Man, even at practice common. on Friday, he was doing the warm ups and the high knees, and so. But then when they actually went into was that some a of the, Russell Wilson joke, you know, <laughs> the team, <laughs> you know, Bronco Country ride or whatever, and, and let's but, ride, that's right. But there, but the, but Buddha was ducking out of the team stuff like he wasn't, you know, he was going north south, he wasn't going east west. So, I mean, I, I'm like, come on, there's no way he's playing, and of course he did play. So uh, played well. There you go. He did play well. There, there's there's no doubt about it. Now, what the aftermath on that is, I guess to the Cardinals' benefit, they have an extra day being Monday night football. So that's all good. But look. If Buda Baker's out there under those circumstances, if you rewind a month earlier, if a J.J. Watt can take the field three days after having his heart shocked back into rhythm, you know what that says to everybody who's suited up? You better bring it all. Yeah. You better leave it on that field. Yeah. If those two guys, two of the best in the game, can can make that sort of sacrifice and that kind of commitment to the team where it really is we and not me in those cases because it's been real easy to bag out for either guy. I just think it sets the standard. It, Wait, you know, so. are you saying that that Buddha could have indirectly impacted the Eno thing? No, the di- the no. What di- I'm saying is diametrically opposite. No, what situations? I'm saying is it's so easy to legitimately sit that game out when the yeah. coach gives you zero no, percent right. chance to start the week, and the docs tell you it's two to four weeks, right? So. Um, so anyway, it's uh, yeah, it's what it says to everybody. Weapon and, X, I like that. And name. once again. It was critical. Now, was Eno all over the field like he typically was? No. He had four tackles. Great pick, obviously, uh, on the tip drill. But it wasn't like he wasn't the same Eno the two games before where he led the team. I'm sorry. The same Buddha. Oh, my gosh. The same Buddha there. I'm trying to remember stats and I'm forgetting what's. I'm looking ahead and I'm forgetting what's in front of me. Oh, my gosh. It's okay. We we forget. Too bad Holmes isn't here. We'd edit that all out. So just bear with me. All right. Buddha didn't lead the team in tackles for the first time in three games. He wasn't exactly the same, but the drop off from Buddha Baker to the next best safety on the roster to me is the most severe of any position group to go from the starter to the backup. There's no one even close to a Buddha Baker or a Jalen Thompson on this roster when it comes to safety. So and that's, it, it that's, was critical that he played. And and with all due respect to Chris Banjo, uh, that's partially because of the how high the bar is for Jalen Thompson yes. and Buddha. Not necessarily saying something about Chris Banjo. Right. And how important it was to have Buddha and Jalen out there without Byron Murphy, who was out with a back injury. I think if you had been without yes. Byron and Buddha, it could have been very scary. I feel that same way about the drop off with with us, though. Paul, you and me is a pretty big drop off from us down to Darren. <laughs> Oh, yeah. um, I like it. I, I like just it. Walked right into that. By the way, uh, you know it's funny you bring up Murphy because I feel like that that storyline didn't get touched on at all. I mean, Antonio Hamilton had a great game and career high uh, ten solo tackles, and but like your best cornerback by far wasn't in the game and it got buried. And you still hold Cooper yeah. Cup, who did exit the game with an injury in the fourth quarter, but up until that point, a career-low three catches for minus one yard. Yeah. Without without your top cornerback. Yeah. I mean, and, and then there was D-Hop working over Jalen Ramsey. 
Think of the contrast that D-Hop, according to Next Gen Stats, had eight of his ten catches directly against Jalen Ramsey, whereas the Cardinals were minus Byron Murphy, and they were still able to control Cooper Cup. obviously. I mean, neutralize, nullify Cooper Cup. In fact, when he went down with that injury, mm, and you could see it from the Cardinals' sideline, he's on his back in just agony, and he's yelling in pain. And I'm like, man, the Rams are having – uh, worse week than cryptocurrency at this point. I mean, it was it was bad. I mean, McVeigh was out of his mind. You you could just t- it reminded me a lot of the state of the team the Cardinals left the Seahawks in last year in Seattle, where it was a playoff elimination game for the Seahawks. Everything was going in the riding high. The Twelves were like, oh yeah, Cardinals have Colt McCoy. We're gonna stomp these fools. And instead, the Cardinals came out and took care of the Seahawks. The Twelves are booing. Pete Carroll's look just looks flabbergasted after the game. And Sean McVay was in that same spot. He's like, we're done. We are absolutely done. We're three and six. Cooper Cup is out for who knows how long. We're done. And that, that was the aftermath, I think, of that Cardinals win. I think that's, that's fair. Of course, they can go home and cry into their gigantic Super Bowl rings, and yeah. that'll ease some pain. Yeah, yeah there's no doubt. So, uh, and then there was my Jay Sanders. Man, Wolf and Pash called my Jay Sanders' name a lot. Yeah in that game and he only played 21 snaps so that's pretty efficient. for real yeah. it's only 21 snaps yeah i mean he had a heck of a line yeah he did in that game if i can find it on the fly here and not call amino here it is five tackles a sack quarterback hit tackle for loss pass defense and a forced fumble and what should have been the forced fumble that resulted in the fumble return for touchdown which is why jj watt was particular he was salty to begin jj watt was angry all week he was angry on that Friday, as I found out the hard way at his locker with yeah, an ill-timed he, question, and then well, he. Would, I don't know if it was ill-timed. Yeah. You, you you asked it exactly when you were supposed to when he was <laughs> meeting with the media. So <laughs> well, I'm just saying it was. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I got text. I got. By the way, I got text messages as I should have from the likes of a Richard Signs and a Cam Cox at the local TV station station saying, "Hey, thanks for the soundbite." I'm like, yeah. Send me a dinner certificate because I took one for the team to give you guys your soundbite of the day. Yeah, you did piss him off. Yeah, that's true. He was, yeah, and he was still salty on the game. I mean, maybe that's it, why he played so well. He had so yes, much fight yes. because of you, Paul. He's had a pretty good season. Yeah, more, a, more where that came from. More angry JJ. Angry JJ we'll is the best JJ. We'll just have you stationed at his locker all week. <laughs> See, I also have this other theory that. <laughs> If, you and have we've many seen this theories. Before. Let's hear this one. Look, when you go into a game and you hear all about the opposing defense, it's amazing how many times your defense plays well because you're sick and tired. Well, you go into that game and you hear about 99 uh, to the Rams. Yeah. And you're like, 99 to the Rams is, oh, the best to ever play defense in the history of the game. And then J.J. Watt's like, no, wait a minute. I have three NFL Defensive Player of the Year awards, and I wear 99. That's pretty fair. And, and I think so. Andy was mic'd up by hard knocks. So when he didn't get his moment of glory, that fumble returned for touchdown. Oh, that's yeah. a good point. He was cheesed off. And and for the Cardinals. So go to the yeah. AZ Cardinals YouTube channel to check out that Wired. Yeah. So. But back to Sanders. Okay. Um, I do think what's been impressive is how he has improved with the opportunities he has gotten. As a rookie, he was inactive for at least, I think, the first four games of the season. And... As a rookie, this is the time of year when you're getting those consistent reps where you want to start seeing improvement. And that's what we're seeing from him. And and that, again, is without having played in every game this year. And it's been great to see those sparks from him, especially because we heard when he was drafted back in April, 
that he was more of that raw player. The, the Cardinals liked him because of his natural ability, because of his length, um, but, but they needed to help him hone in on his skills a little more and, and really fine-tune him. And so I think a huge shout-out has to go not only defensive coordinator Vance Joseph, but outside linebackers coach Charlie Bullen, who is having to create a pass rush where you didn't have Chandler Jones, who I know might not be having, when you look at the numbers, a spectacular season in Vegas, but was a large role in this defense. And so the way that he is having to create this pass rush and the way that we have seen Sanders improve every week when he's gotten those opportunities has been impressive. And I think a lot of that, you know, you have to give credit to the coaching staff there in this specific situation as well. And I asked him after the game, I said, what did you have to show Vance Joseph and the coaches? He said, consistency. And it gets back to the coaches have to trust you. And it reminds me a little bit, a little bit of Isaiah Simmons' rookie year. Yeah, you, you could see the measurables, obviously, in the athleticism. You could see the upside. You could see his ability to make the splash play. But was he going to kill you the other 80% of the snaps? Was he going to be a liability and allow just as many big plays as he makes? And so I, I think it's safe to say my Jay Sanders has had to show the, the coaches. And you know what? Is 21 snaps a number of those plays he made against the run? Yeah. Tackle for loss. He was in there uh, calling his name. I mean, five tackles on 21 snaps from the edge. It's pretty impressive. No, it's very impressive. Although the 21 snaps also kind of indicates, okay, at this point, he's still got a limited trust window. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, he'd be playing more probably, given his youth and energy and size. I mean, he really does. You walk, you walk past him in the locker room. I mean, he he just, if you drew up an edge rusher, that's what it would look like. I'm really curious to see, too, what sort of a muscle mass they put on, on him in the offseason. Like, if he's he's a guy who could really benefit. So, like a Zach Allen had, yeah. to, had to rework. And Zach Allen. Michael Dogby. Yeah, uh, that kind of thing. When they were doing hot yoga in North Scottsdale in the middle of May. With you? It, uh, that was what they told me. That's what they told me. It was my classes on Saturday mornings, Darren, the hot yoga. I, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. Hey, with don't, the don't bash on the hot yoga. It's a great workout. <laughs> Danny, tell us, give us a quick thumbnail on hot yoga for those who, who are uh, we're wondering. I mean, like, you know, how hot is it in there and what's it the deal? It is hot. It's very humid. You are like drenched in sweat within the first three minutes of class. Seriously. How you, long is class? You have to. An hour? It, it depends. For, yeah, typically an hour, maybe 45 minutes, usually an hour. Like whenever I do things like that, I have a yoga mat, which I would use for really any workout class. You have to bring like extra towels because you are slipping all over your yoga mat because you're, the sweat is just oh, see, dripping. Now you just offended Paul, who works out a lot, as you can Come see, on. but right. but clearly doesn't like yeah. that kind of stuff, the germs and the sweat. And no, everything. it's your own yoga mat. I mean, it's my germs. How close in proximity are the other people in the class that you don't know? If it's a big enough room yeah. or there yeah. aren't too many people, you can like yeah. spread out to where yeah. you're not like touching them. <laughs> Paul's one of those guys that's like, you're surprised. He does this for a living, and yet he really doesn't like people. <laughs> he likes us. Oh my. I that's, that's a pretty serious charge right there. <laughs> Do you like my, us? My goodness. I don't like people. That's, uh, you know, He's it, not answering my question. My goodness. That's, uh, <laughs> okay, Paul. I, I'm looking at what else that's we have fine. to cover here. Sure. Before uh, either okay. A, I take another facial, or B, I start calling random people Eno. Uh, <laughs> so I'm trying to save myself from myself. Uh, anybody have anything to say about this possible storyline i mean don't bury the lead we ought to come back to it because you know the hard knocks directors will come back to this whole quarterback question yeah that's true i won't call it a controversy but i will call it a quarterback question 
what happens if Colt McCoy does to the Niners what he did last year to the Niners? So you're just assuming he's playing this week? He's starting? I'm just I'm saying what if A, he's playing, and what if he does to the 49ers what he already did last season? Wasn't that the game on, where... On Monday Night Football, by the way. Wasn't that the 49ers game where it was, where Eno Benjamin won the yes. angry run sector? Yes, that was the game. That That's amazing right. Yeah, when he trucked Drake arm. Kirkpatrick yeah. at the second level. And by the way, Cold at the Niners last year, 22-26 of 26 for 249, a touchdown, no picks, passer rating of 119.4. He got sacked a couple of times. Uh, so... So you're 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 I know you're going to just say I'm just asking the question Darren but no I'm going to put you on this you're cuz the implication is if Colt plays this week and does well then he just stays as a starter until what Whoa No I'm basing it on what we have yet to see from Kyler Murray have we seen him at any point show any burst I know it's the open portion of practice I'm just going to throw okay, out there. Okay, so you're what, saying he's still hurt. Yes, I'm okay, saying Kyler's look, still hurt. Uh, look, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's because of, there, there's no scenario where they're both healthy and Kyler isn't okay, the starter. That's I think yeah. we need to get that out of that. the way. Well, because you're saying if he goes out and wins, yeah. what happens? And I'm like, well, is he is Kyler healthy the next week? Because there is no scenario. If you want to say what have I seen with Kyler Murray, I've seen what his contract says. That means he's going to, if healthy, play every game, start every game over a 36-year-old journeyman quarterback. All due respect to Colt McCoy, who played awesome this weekend and could play awesome again Monday night if he has to play. If but he's healthy. If he's he's not, that's, that's not what's going to happen. It makes no sense to me. None. Once again, I should be more specific. When I say um, what happens, I'm talking about with the fan base. Well, I'm talking about with the noise out there. I'm talking with the outside pressure that will make for the juicy storyline. Yeah. That will make for all the drama. There will be hard knocks. This, this to me sounds, and I know that this is not a great example for me personally to use, but Uh-oh. it sounds like the argument that people were having when Dak Prescott was hurt and Cooper Rush went in yeah, and was good. playing. Yes, and And that's how I feel with Colt McCoy and Kyler Murray, and that's not to take away from what Colt is capable of and what he has done. These are not the same quarterbacks. Kyler Murray is your franchise quarterback. This is the player you are building your offense around because of his unique skill set. I know he hasn't been as accurate as of late, but he still can use his legs. And so if he's healthy, that that completely changes the game. That completely changes the way defenses are having to game plan against you. I don't. I agree with you. I don't think there is any scenario where if McCoy and Murray are both healthy, you're playing Colt over Kyler. Okay, let me throw out this scenario. Let's off the cuff. They're both healthy. They're both dressed for the Monday night game in Mexico City. And the Cardinals struggle on offense in the first half. And they give them the first possession of the second half. And they go three and out. It looks a lot like what it looked like earlier, minus Colt McCoy. So now Colt's sitting on the sideline, and everybody's looking at him and wondering if you're going to check in number 12 to at least get you out of this game and get you a win and keep you playoff eligible and viable. I don't know how... Hmm, how can I say this kindly? That is so delicate. I don't know how you do that to Kyler Murray, and he takes it in an understandable... Um, you don't. 
I, I think you guys are understanding what I'm saying yeah. without, without saying that. Is I, I don't know how you do that to your starting you quarterback. Piss off and ex- your starting quarterback. Yes, and you expect him to come back and have this great gung ho attitude and and to lead this team. I think that is that would be very detrimental long term if that was what they did. And let me, let let me make something very clear because there are a lot of people that don't like Kyler out there. I understand it because I hear from them all the time, but. That is not unique to Kyler Murray. If you did that to Aaron Rodgers, if you did that to Josh Allen, they'd all be pissed, and probably rightfully so. And and you can argue, yep. I don't care if he's pissed, blah, 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 but there's a lot of other stuff that goes into this. Somebody made the point in the mailbag, and, and you know this, Paul, if you had read it. Um, Ooh, burn. That I I've read been, it. In, in a, in I've been accused of writing it. Which That's I, true. Which, which I'm not, by point. the way. Just want to make that known to the offensive lineman uh, before I end up being some sort of crash test dummy in there. In in baseball, <laughs> if you're the star pitcher and you're not doing well, you can get an early hook and nobody says anything. I mean, you you might be mad, but you get the early hook and it is what it is. You move on. In football, if you give a guy the hook, that's oftentimes the beginning of the end. Whether you're Kyler Murray or a star quarterback or not a star quarterback, once you get the hook. Then, then all, then it's all, it all goes cast. I mean, we've seen that here yeah. a million times. Two thousand four, when Josh McCown gets benched, and then it's Sean King, and then it's John Navarre, and then it's Josh McCown or Kevin Cobb and John Skelton or Matt Leinart and Derek Anderson and and Moxie Max Hall, and I mean. For the 49ers with Jimmy G and yes. Trey Lance, they got out of it because Trey Lance got hurt. That's it just gets point. messy. I don't think Super there's any scenario messy. where you would pull Kyler Murray and put in Colt McCoy. I don't think you recover from that. Nope. Okay. I'm just saying that. Uh, He's just asking the question. I told you he was going to say it. I'm yeah. just throwing it out throwing, there. I'm just saying. We'll it. take it back. I'm just saying. We from, don't want it. I'm just saying if you're one of the four Hard Knocks directors, and yes, there are four, and there's like a crew of 80 working on mm-hmm. this whole thing, uh, you're drooling right now. Let me, let you're me, anticipating a lot of drama okay, down the stretch. Okay. Paul Calvisi. Football expert, I, I do know that you are star safety once upon a time. <laughs> what? Here we go. You didn't this, know this? This, this is what Wolf I did does not. to me. He starts the condescending tone, and then here it comes the <laughs> well, facial. I, I'm curious. Here we go. Again, I, I am on the record. I am 100%. You can't do that. If Kyler Murray's healthy, he plays. And if he's struggling, doesn't matter. You leave him out there. I'm saying that. That's. I'm sure there are fans out there going, You're stupid, Darren. Kyler's had all these chances, blah, 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 blah. But I'm saying that's what you do. Now I'm asking you, what what do you do in that scenario? You got to leave him in for everything you guys just said. No, you do. You you have to I'm, leave him. He's just, either your yeah. franchise future quarterback or he's not. And, yes. if you, and if you do pull him after a scoreless first half this Monday night, then you're undermining yes. not only his own confidence, but you're undermining his standing in his own locker room. Yes. And so, yeah, you, you are undercutting – your own investment. And and let's also make this clear, and I know this frustrates the heck out of fans, sometimes with when we're talking about the coach and GM, and, and in this case we're talking about the quarterback. The money matters. You you can't you you don't get to you don't get to say, well, they never should have given him the money. He's not playing. I don't care what he's getting paid. You cannot care what he's getting paid. Fine. But that that is part of the equation. They would they they would go into this team has no chance if you're talking about having a quarterback with that kind of contract and he's not even playing. And you're, you you can't yeah. you can't move on from him right. Here's now. the worst case scenario: is that it divides the locker room. That half the team thinks that number one should be the quarterback. Half the team thinks the backup should be the quarterback. 
To use the 49ers as the most recent example, what did they do during training camp? Hey, Jimmy G, you work off to the side. Yeah. You're not even going to be a full, you're not even a full member of this team, much less a full participant in practice. You're just going to sit over there. And most of the time, it was after Niners practice. He would come out and throw and just kind of loosen up his arm. Of course, he was coming off injury and the whole thing. Okay, we get it. But it wasn't until they, A, were forced to keep him because there was no trade market and then be forced to play him, that he was even acknowledged as a real full-time member of the team. I I don't want to take away that, you know, the offense played well, well enough to be a struggling Rams team. You can be grateful for the performance from Colt McCoy, from the offensive lineman, for all of those reasons, without saying that the only reason they won was because of the backups, and we yes. would have lost if we had the offensive lineman a full, healthy offensive line with starters and Kyler Murray. I, I, I don't know why it has to be either or that we won this game without Kyler Murray, which means he's not that good. We don't need him to win. Like, let's just roll well, with Cole. I don't understand why that has to be the thought process. Because there's there's already a, there's a segment of the fan base, and you know who you are, that already doesn't like Kyler Murray and wishes he wasn't the quarterback. You don't have to like him if he can I, still lead your team well, to again, victories. I, my, I'm going to... I know we got to wrap this up, but I'm going to just find my last thing on this is I'm not only saying you would have to play him in those circumstances. I'm saying you should be playing him in this. Kyler Murray is a two-time Pro Bowl quarterback whose upside continues to be pretty high. The the idea that you wouldn't play him in this circumstance is mind blowing. It's dumb. Me. That's yes, what it is. Dumb. It's dumb. Well, the first half of last season, he was a legitimate NFL MVP candidate. Yes. But that seems like a long time ago. It is. It really, He's not playing you know, well. He's not playing yeah, to his capabilities, yeah. but still. And again, there are plenty of examples littered through NFL history. I go back to when I was pretty much Danny's age in this business. And in 49er land, which is where I grew up, it was obviously Steve Young against Joe Montana. It divided our own family. My dad was pro Joe Montana, and we were pro Steve Young. And all of a sudden, the, the old man and his kids were at odds at the dinner table. I mean, it was divisive. Is that why you haven't talked to him in all these years? <laughs> and then I went out for my first real gig covering an NFL team, and it was the Wayne Fonts year, where they had oh, three boy. different starting quarterbacks in Rodney Pete, Scott Mitchell, Andre Ware, oh. and I almost said Eric Hipple. It was Eric Kramer. Oh, Eric. Wow, Eric Kramer. That's and from threesome. week to week, we'd show up at the Money Press Conference, and literally guys are wagering in the press room. Okay, who's it going to be this week? And Wayne Fonts would just choose a starting quarterback for that week, and it just destroyed that season from the inside out. And, and, and there were three well, options. You know what they say, if you've got three quarterbacks, you've got none, Paul. Exactly. So, all right. Mexico City. Anybody got a word on the uh, trip to Mexico City? What's uh? I've got an interview with Rolando Cantu. I got to get to. I can okay. tell you that. All right. Hey, nice. There I'm we excited. Go. We're gonna have some fun. Okay. okay. All right. There we go. Some fiestas yep. we'll and have... siestas. So we'll have plenty to say. <laughs> Here on top of that, we'll, we'll find out. I took if Spanish it, in high school and the, college. Maybe the Cardinals will say hasta la vista to the 49ers. By the way, you realize the Cardinals have beaten the 49ers 11 of their last 14 meetings. Including in Mexico, well, not 11 of 14, but they beat them <laughs> no. in Mexico City back yeah. in 2005. Yeah, it doesn't go back We to were there. Yeah. So I don't you know if you've seen the picture. I was in elementary school. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, predicting, I'm predicting a 70-yard field goal in this one. Neil Rackers wanted, wanted one in 2005. You watch, it's going to happen. Elevation greater than Flagstaff. The ball flies forever in All Mexico right. City. There you go. That'll like do it. it for this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.